What is up, everyone? We have Scorched Pierce episode 103. We've got Colton Lindsay, great guy. Followed him on social media for a little bit. Thought I'd reach out, get him on the podcast. Think he could have a really cool story for us today. Um, Colton, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me here today. Let's do it. I'm excited to be here and just jam a little bit for the next while. Yeah, let's do it. I'm a little bit sick, guys, so I'm going to sound a little nasally. Just is what it is. Um, so, Colin, real quick, just tell everyone like what, um, like, just like what you do in real estate, everything you've done. Like, give everybody like a quick resume, just for the, mm. my audience. That's well, it's gonna be tough to do everything that I've done. I started in 2005 as a real estate agent, failed miserably the first um, year, only sold two homes. Started to figure that out with a system. I think that was the key through all of my journey over the last 18, 19 years is understanding systems which are repeatable patterns that create predictable results. Um, by uh, year four, I was selling about 75 homes a year. And the challenge though, which was very exciting because I was making good money, but the challenge that I found along the way is that most people feel is that it was still transactional. If I stopped working, the money stopped working. Um, so I've tried really since probably about 2000 and, I mean, because there was years that I realized that I didn't really do much to do about it. But about 2014 to about 2018, I tried a zillion different ways to try and actually step out of the rat race of the transactional real estate agent. Um, along that journey, I've done a lot of investing. I own commercial real estate. I own, I've done spec homes. I own um, residential, which I really love. Uh, I have investments in multifamily, assisted living, very expanded on to that side of the real estate portfolio. But also I've expanded my portfolio further too when it comes to stocks and equities, Bitcoin, and right now I'm about eight different asset classes that I'm in, invested with. Um, the biggest along the way as we go kind of clear to towards 2023, almost 2024 is probably this is when this is released, is though I realize though there are two things in this journey that create freedom that I think every investor is after. And the first is, is to go where the margins are bigger. If I'm going to be involved in a transaction, I have to have a bigger volume in that transaction. I got to make sure that my profit margins are stacked and fat. But the second thing that took me a long time to figure out, and I'd heard about it for years, but I didn't know how to actually do it, was to create residual revenue. Not only um, residual revenue, but a leverage residual revenue. I'm not a big believer in passive income. Even in my rental properties, I don't manage them, but I have to look at those freaking P&L statements every month, and that requires some attention. So I don't think it's passive, but I do think it's highly leveraged. Even when it comes to multifamily, I don't operate the project but sure as shit, every month I'm looking at the reports, right? So we have to become a steward over our money throughout that process. And what I found throughout this journey is if I could create, which I did, and if you can create a cash generating machine from your business, something that automatically pops out cash, whether you work or not, and you have a profit margin to move that profit into your investment portfolio that gets incredible rates returns. And I can go into details on that, but the traditional 8% is not going to cut it. But if you can do that, move it to your investment portfolio. Then the third is while you're doing this, you're going to get your teeth kicked in as just part of it. And so if you can learn to develop what I call a soul freedom throughout the journey and really regulating your nervous system, then you can build all the freedom that you want from business, financial, and soul. So that's it in a nutshell. I love it. There's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot that I'm going to talk, I want to talk to you about in that. But I'm going to start with my classic question. This is Scorch the Fears, right? You're doing an insane amount of cool stuff, insane amount of real estate investing. Um, are you still an agent? Do you still ever do any agent stuff or not really? 
So I don't do with the day to day. I still have a real uh, a license. I still am a licensed real estate agent. My my book of business. I have a partner that works all of those. His name is Raiden, and so I still um, make money from that space because I've just built a business over the last, you know, eighteen nineteen years. What I do spend a lot of my attention now at this point is I think two big opportunities for me in my outlier space in life, which is. It's just I have to be the right place in the right time in the right stage of my career to take advantage of this is there's um, an emerging economy with agent attraction and making money in what's called uh, infopreneurship. And this is a, a, sign, a, a version of it, right? You're producing content online. It generates content for people done correctly. You can monetize this. And so I do that in the agent space with real estate agents, particularly, and I teach other agents how to do that. The two ways that I monetize currently, number one is I monetize through my academy, which is we train agents on how to build uh, personal brands, infopreneurship products, and really build their own mentorship spaces. But the other thing is too, is with my revenue share with real brokerage. So I've got about almost 2000 agents in my network there. I put about 1800 roughly agents through my training program at this point. Um, and so I'm still very heavy into the real estate space, but I'm not day-to-day -day transactional. Probably about 30%, well, let's see. Yeah, probably 30% to 40% of my revenue is residual at this point in the business side of things. And then obviously the return on my investments when it comes to my investment portfolio. I love it. So let's talk about when you were like just starting to get into real estate, like right at the very beginning, it sounded like you had a year where you really struggled. And then eventually you started kind of finding your footing. You started doing real estate investing too. What were your fears that you were dealing with? What do you feel like was holding you back from achieving at the very beginning? Yeah, everything is revolves around fear. And so there's what's called the process of manifestation. And the process of manifestation is this, is my thoughts affect my feelings around my emotions that dictate the actions, the decisions I make in life. And ultimately that is what gives us our outcomes, or our results. But there's an underlying thing that navigates our thoughts or the stories inside. And that are the belief systems that we've developed or conditioned over time. And so we create a blueprint, a blueprint of money, a blueprint of relationship, a blueprint of health, a blueprint of, of, of so many different things. But when we look particularly in business, the blueprint that I had developed was one of scarcity. And so I had to increase my blueprint or my belief system around money. I had to believe that money comes to me easily and frequently. I had to believe that I deserve it. I had to create a secure attachment with money, which I still work on to this this day, right? But then on the exit side of this is, is when the opportunity or when the outcomes happen for my decisions, my opportunities got bigger. So as I developed my vibrational system and my process, I could then be in the right place at the right time to take advantage of opportunities because there's this element that's out of my control and your control. And it's, it's the God power element. It's the universe. It's the things that we don't understand and that we don't have control over. And there's a thing that we do have control over, which are two parts. One is, I think, is our willpower, and that's our ability to persist. But two is our body power and how we feel vibrationally in our body. And you could manage that from supplements to exercise and diet and and, and finding out what amino acids you lack to meditation and breath and and changing it that way. But ultimately, throughout this process, it was fear that held me back and the fear that either I couldn't do it or the fear of which was even worse. If I did do it, I would be exposed as the fraud that I am because people would find out how I'm actually not that great. Right. So 
I think those are the things that I, and I continue to have to work through at this level. Now, as I'm working towards that eight figure number versus my first, I remember back then it was like, do I get to my first six figure? And there was like, okay, how do I get to seven, then multiple seven. And now it's the journey to eight. It's like still at this level though, it's fear, fear of what if I'm exposed, fear of what if uh, people, I let people down, fear of if I mess it up along the way. Right. 100%. No, I mean, it's, it's funny how I hear it's not like there's that many different fears every single time. Like it's crazy how humans all have in a lot of different ways, a lot of the similar fears when they're doing this whole process of entrepreneurship. Right. Um, you were talking about, and tell me if I'm misquoting you, you were talking about like bodily energy and then like mental energy, right? Like having those things aligned, helping yeah. you overcome the fear, right? That I think I was getting Bullshit. that right. Well, yeah. And then um, you mix that with the element of God power, like the faith, mm -hmm. the trusting in the higher power. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. What? So do you do anything specifically? Like, what would you, like, let's say, let's say somebody was talking to you right now, they're dealing with the exact same fears you were dealing with. Like, what would you tell them to do first? Well, like, for, how would you start first, getting those things right? At the early days, and I still do this consistently, um, I'm just way more consistent with it today is breath work and meditation. So really I've defined meditation and the practice could be um, breath work. It could be yoga, yin style, transcendental meditation, active meditation, walk. It doesn't matter what it really, it could be even a writing meditation, but what meditation is and how I define it is the repetitive practice of letting go of fear. And so if I have a, a consistent practice of just letting go of fear, I'm able to move forward quickly and you have a feedback loop and everything works on compound interest. So in the early days when I started the repetitive practice of letting go of fear, I wasn't consistent. I might do it once today, but then it'd be three or four days before I do it again. Whereas now today I do it every single day. I don't miss a day. And I haven't missed a day in over six years. So the compound interest builds up quicker because I'm putting the input in faster. The feedback loop comes quicker. So that's how I originally started. I think the difficult part when it comes to the bodily side of things though, and especially when we look at the, the mental health space is everyone thinks, oh, I can, I can, I just got to become mentally healthier. And that is a part of it through these things we're talking about, but there are elements you don't have control over. And that's the elements inside your body. That's your genotype. And I mean, you can look at some of these infopreneurs today or influencers online and they, you know, oh, you got to have a six buck fucking ab and, and you got to work harder. You got to work harder. You got to exercise more. And the reality is it doesn't matter how hard you fucking work. If your body lacks amino acids or if it has the wrong gene, wrong genotype, or if it has, you know, like I'll give you an example with my body is I don't digest protein or omega-3 fats. So it doesn't matter how much my macro levels are, or how much I fucking work or how much I run up a hill or how much I, it doesn't matter if I can't absorb the nutrients into my body. So some of the things that I think a really great resource for people right now that's inexpensive is Gary Brecka. I think he's onto a lot. I think if you can get following the Fountain Life podcast, there's a lot of, of information you get, but ultimately in order to really take advantage of this, you're going to have to go and do the work and get the data on your body. That's the brain scan. That's the DEXA scan. That's the consistent blood work, the genotype testing and mapping of your body. And you have to understand the data so that you can make adjust adjustments. You can't just go watch a podcast and figure out, oh, I'm going to go take these fucking supplements because they sound good and everyone's talking about them. You have to go identify, will these supplements even make a body, a difference in my particular body? That's pretty cool. I don't, I like, I've heard of that. Like, obviously I've heard of the idea of doing blood work. I've never done it myself, really. What, um, where do you have anybody you recommend? I'm just curious. Do you have anyone you recommend? Um, you around? I recommend foster? you find a functional doctor and it kind of okay. depends on 
Yeah. What? I, how old are you? I'm 28. Yeah. So you're you're still quite young. I'm I'm 39. But in today's society, it's, it's starting at younger ages. The things that will get affected quickly are testosterone levels in men. But also what will get affected are the lack of amino acids to fully optimize your body. And so if you can identify what those are, and then you can supplement for them and you can figure out how to get your body to absorb them. I think one of the biggest places to start is go to find a functional doctor and do a complete lipid panel, blood panel, testosterone, everything. You're not going to figure this out at your general physician, by the way, gang, your general physician. Let me give you an example. When I first started trying to figure this out, I go my general physician seven years ago and my, um, my triglycerides would come in at like 260, like just a ridiculous level for such a young person like myself. And every time I talk to the physician, he says, Oh, I wouldn't worry about it. You're young. But everyone knows that those are high numbers. Whereas now, once I finally figured out the data, my triglycerides are less than 150. And it was a very simple fix that no amount of workout, no amount of exercise, no amount of green smoothies, no amount of protein that I ate was ever going to shift. And it was because literally my stomach just does not digest certain carbohydrates, omega-3 fats or proteins. So if I can't digest that, it will not optimize in, into the system. Right. That makes sense. So basically get, figuring out your body, literally like go to a doctor, figure out, go to a functional doctor, figure out Functional's how your body right. reacts to food or reacts to certain different like supplements. And then you actually know what you need. Yeah. Right. What, yep. when you did that, what was the dip? Like, was there mental clay? Like what were the symptoms after you're like, Oh my God, oh, for I sure. know exactly. Like, Year over year at compounds, I wish that there was just like this one magic moment where it was just like everything was better, but it was small stages, right? In the early days, I did what was called a pinner test where I tested my blood to see uh, what things caused inflammation like rye and pineapple, which is weird things for my body. Um, but then with time, I also would take allergy tests to see if my body was considering allergic to something. Um, I've tried going deep on being a vegan, being paleo, all of it. Right. Like, but what I really identified along the way is, okay, what is my goal? My goal is to live hundred plus years of age, not just to live that old, but with vibrancy and energy so that I can create, that I can input, that I can, can give our body is an investment. It's probably the biggest, most underrated asset that we, we, when we look at investment, we look at, okay, was this the right real estate deal? Is this the right investment to put our, our money and get a return on investment from? But really what generates all of this is this body, because if our body is not healthy enough to go be an asset to us, we're not going to get investing in anything. Right. And I always, I always talk about Larry H. Miller. I'm from Utah. And so Larry H. Miller was one of the most incredible investors of our time, especially from the state of Utah. He used to own the Utah jazz, the, and just amazing with what he's done, but he died in his fifties. And what good is to do all of that work. And I'm not trying to downplay Larry H. Miller because he's an extraordinary human, but I don't want to die in my fifties. You know what I'm saying? 100%. And so, most people, they will chase the investment game so hard, so deep that they'll give up everything else. And myself included along the way, ways that I knew that I was doing it. In fact, in the early days of my real estate transactions, I would do it through drugs and alcohol. So just when I was able finally to make the choice to go sober, that alone made a huge difference. But think about every time you optimize your body, you're choosing to go sober just a little bit more. You're choosing to create just a little bit more clarity in the way that your body operates and the vibration that you do, you have. I love it. I love that a lot. Yeah, man. I mean, 
it totally makes sense. I've been sick all week. Just like, I mean, this is a very small example, but I've been sick all week. And it's, I haven't been able to get like anything done in comparison to what I'm usually able to get done. And it's, that's what health is, right? I mean, like I keep staying healthy. It, what you said already, what even is the point if you die early or if you feel like crap all the time, right? There's no point to any of it, right? Yep. So no, it totally, totally makes sense. And I like it. I like that. So blood panel and lipid test, functional doctor, that's for the body, right? You were talking yeah. about meditation mm -hmm. for the mind, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And But you were talking about something that's kind of interesting to me because I'm, I'm used to meditation being focused on your breath, right? You were talking about meditation being focused on getting rid of fears. Is that the same thing because you're focused on your breath or is that something same thing, different? It's, it's the same thing. It's just a different style of practice. So a mm. definition of meditation is a repetitive practice of letting go of fear. One of the versions is focusing on your breath because when you're focusing on your breath, what you're really doing is you're getting present. If you're getting present, you can't focus on the past. You can't focus on the future. You can only focus on what's real right now. One other version that you could take your breath just a little bit further is I call it the, the uh, five, five, five. So I can, Okay, what are five colors that I can see in the room? I can see this uh, color of my desk here. I can see the blue on the screen. I can see the black on my hat. The second thing is, though, what are, what are five things I can touch? Well, I can touch my desk. I can touch my screen. I can touch my hair. But then the third thing is, what are five sounds that I can hear? So then I, I start to say, oh, here's the five. I hear the little ringing in my ear. I hear my own voice talking, me knocking on the table, whatever. I try to make sound. What it does is when you touch into these five senses in three different areas or these three senses in five different ways is it brings you present and breath is just simply a version to bring you present. And so you're letting go of the fear of the future and the fear of messing up the past. That's true. Cause like I've heard this many times when you're in the present because fear is, or at least anxiety is almost you always tripping about something that's going to happen in the future or could happen in the future. Um, and then that's usually what it is. And that's what a lot of people are talking about with fear in particular. But if you're here right now, right now, there's usually not any problems at this mm -hmm. very moment in this exact moment. You might, you might be, you might, there will be you working on it, right? Like have you read the power of now, you read that uh -huh. book. Yeah. Yep. That was, that was my game changer for, that was the first book I ever read where I'm like, wow, that makes a hundred percent sense. Where like reality really is just right now, right mm -hmm. now in this moment, your past isn't real. They're just electrical signals in your brain and the future isn't real. It's just something you're making up. Right. Um, so it's just, yeah, I, I agree. So what, what happened to your real estate career? Once you started doing these things, getting like the body, body tests, started meditating, how, what, what changes that start creating in your real well, estate it's, career? It's, everything is, and I've said this a few times, it's compound interest, right? So the way I explain it with is like, let's say we were going to play 18, 18 rounds of golf or holes. We're going to play golf round and we can play 18 holes. You and I are going to bet every hole. And on the first hole, we're going to bet 10 cents. If you win, I owe you 10 cents. If I win, you owe me 10 cents. It's a pretty simple bet. But here's how we're going to play this is every hole we play, Jonah, is we're going to double our bet. So hole number two, we're actually going to bet 20 cents. If I win, I, you owe me 20 cents. If, if you win, I owe you 20. Hole number three, we're going to double it again. Now we're at 40 cents. Hole number five, uh, four is at 80 cents, five is at a dollar 60 and goes on, so on and so forth. You don't really start seeing the bet get really big until we get to hole 15. 
And it's by whole 13 or whole 18, our bet is over $13,000. We're betting $13,000 on that hole. So the quicker that I can get to the next hole and I can double my bet, the interest starts to, to expand greatly. But in the initial 12, 15 holes, I don't really notice the return on my investment that great when it comes to meditation or becomes to my body or be, I just don't see it. But if I stay consistent with it, then it just gets exponential, right? So in the, at the early stages, I would notice little changes. I would just learn, have little rates of returns. Like I felt like I waked up half year. I felt like I could get out of bed earlier. I felt like I slept better. I felt like um, I was more creative. But then what happens with time is the interest starts to pile up and just becomes more effective in everything that a human does. I like it. That's a cool way of thinking about it. Like how they, it, it works like compound interest. Um, I don't usually think of it that way when I'm thinking about habits, but it's a really good way to think about it too, because I think definitely sometimes certain things definitely feel like nothing's happening mm-hmm. a lot of the times, right? Like meditation, probably the first two to three weeks, I didn't really notice that much of a difference. It takes until like week four and then, okay, there's actually something there, right? And it's the same thing with everything. It's the same thing with real estate investing. It's the same thing with um, everything you're trying to do, getting a better body, any goal you have, like you're not going to notice anything for the first month at least, usually even more so depending on what it is, right? Um, You teach people, you said you teach people on different things. Have Have you dealt with people who don't understand this concept who like don't really get like okay this is going to take a while and it might take a while to see anything because i feel like that's what kills people the most is in most of life i do an action and something happens and mm-hmm. these things it's very small things if nothing yeah right um when you're teaching people especially like teaching how to be an agent or like teaching them the other things you teach them what like is that one of the biggest problems and if not what are the other problems you see well i think one of the biggest problems is is every human being has this innate innate fear that we've decided at some point along our journey that we're just not enough the difference between those that are extremely successful and those that aren't is that they've just been able to figure out that time and use it as fuel to ignite and go forward now the mistake that i've made and i've seen a lot of entrepreneurs make is that once I hit X amount in either my net worth or my revenue or my residual income or whatever it is, then I'll be happy. And the reality is we live life in a fucking tunnel, meaning we think we're going to inherit this kingdom where we're not going to have any problems and everything's going to be simple and easy. But as we age, we get older, we actually just kick kicked in the teeth even more, whether it's economic crisis, where the interest rates go up, whether it's we made some poor decisions, we get a bad deal, whether that's a medical emergency whether it's our own phase of life, our own changes, but the older we get, the more we age and the more experience we have in life, we just go darker into a fucking tunnel, dude. And and when you're in that tunnel though, the idea is that I can earn my way out of it. It's just not possible. The only way you can really escape that is realize how beautiful life actually is inside of the tunnel, how beautiful your life is, no matter what the shitstorm is going right now, the chaos, the ambiguity, the unknown. And be the eye of the storm, calm and present regardless of anything, which is 10 times easier to say than do, by the way, when you have something ignite your emotion. And so it's more about what fuels our, our vehicle 
here in this life. Yeah, 100%. I remember I remember thinking when I was starting, I was like, okay, if I just get a $100,000 deal, I get like 100K in the bank, I'm going to be solid. I'm going to be good. I don't have to worry about money anymore. We're going to be chilling. And I remember that happening and then just being like, oh, that didn't actually do it at all. Because there's this, there's this, there's this, we got to pay for this. Now there's payroll, like it never really ends. So there's a certain point where you realize like it's all about the journey. It's there's no, there like the destination in the end, everyone's just going to die, right? That's where all of our ends are in the end. So you have to just be there in the journey right here, right now. So I love it, man. I want to know a little bit more about your story too, though. So let's get, let's get a little into it. You were, so you, you started as a real estate agent. I'm kind of curious when you started making the switch from real estate agent to real estate investor, because you're much more of a real estate investor now, even though you were an agent for a really, really long time. Yeah. When did you make that switch and why did you make that switch? Well, I like to consider myself an investor, not just a, a, a real estate investor. I'm, like, I'm, buy, I'm invested in real estate, Bitcoin, crypto, stocks, equities, cash, cash value, gold, silver, businesses, private equities, right? So um, I slowly started making that shift roughly in, well, I mean, I bought my first real estate deal probably in 2007, 2008 is when I first started real estate investing. My first, actually my very first real estate. Now, as I look back, investment was a spec home that I felt miserably on back in the stated, stated income days. And I did a one-time close in 2007 during the recession. Um, luckily I still, I got kind of lucky on that deal where the, the, the bank went out of business in the middle of it. And I had received an occupancy letter and I didn't have to make any payments on the home because the loan was in limbo. So I wasn't making any payments on the house. And I sold the house as a lease option to someone. And like four or five months in, they actually defaulted and moved out. I got to keep all their option money and all of their payments along the way. And I didn't have to pay any mortgage on it. The bank actually reached out about, um, cause I couldn't sell it for what I was into it. And they reached out for just let me sell it as a short sale. But instead of running it as a short sale, they were just going to 1099 me the difference. So it didn't affect any of our credits that were involved. That's it was really nice. wild. A super wild deal. That was my first real estate investment deal. Then I started buying rental properties and I just expanded off that. Started buying gold and silver. Um, started getting involved with stocks and equities. So I just expanded little by little along the way. But what I realized along the way is that there's five different rates of return. There's single digit rate of return double digit rate of return, triple digit rate of return, uh, quadruple digit, and then infinite digit rates of returns. And so when we look at that, the majority of what, what investment has been trained on us in society is a single digit mutual fund, 8% IRA, something like that. And now I think that an element is that important. I use cash value whole life policies to get my single digit rate of return. It's act like becoming my own bank and just growing, um, you know, a, a really hedge against my own stupidity. Real estate I see is that double digit rate of return. When you're putting money into a deal that you're not the operator, like a fund, you're probably going to get 16 to 20% return on your investment. When you are the operator, you're going to, uh, you can get somewhere closer to 20 to 80% return on the investment, but it becomes a more active role in the, in the investment of, of how much of it is leveraged or not. It's an operation. The third is triple digit. This is going to be asymmetrical type investing. And this is what really advances an investor fast. And it's a moment that they can pop. This is where if I risk a dollar and I lose it, it doesn't kill me. But if I win and I'm right on the investment, I'm going to make 
10 times that, right? Five, 10 times that, right? At least a hundred percent return on my investment, ideally, but ideally five to 10, if I can make that happen. The challenge with this space is no one is so smart enough to nail an asymmetric every single time. So you have to diversify into this and you have to understand that you're going to get that wrong 75% of the time and you're going to lose. You just can't lose what hurts you. You just, and, but then when you're right, you're going to make it right. And then you can start to judge deeper. Like I'm in an asymmetrical investment right now that I'm pretty deep into. If I lose the money, I'm okay. It's a few hundred grand. But if I'm right, I'm going to make millions on this deal. Right. And so that it's, it's the pop effect on that. But where most people would take it is they might put a few hundred grand in the deal, but that's all the money they have. And if they do all the money they have and they're wrong, yeah, that's dangerous. They lose it all. But it's even dangerous if you put all your money in and you're right. Because if you're right, it rewards you in a behavior that you think you can go do it again. And it's only a matter of time that you'll 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 lose it that direction. The fourth is quadruple digit. This is private equity space. This is where you're investing in businesses. And think of instead of like a fix and flip on like a home, think of it like a fix and flip on a business where you buy it under value, get the operations in place, and then you sell it at a five to 10x on that. That's where you really can start to get high rates of returns, you know, a thousand percent plus on those. And then my favorite though, and a lot of real estate investors love these as well. It's those arbitrage deals. It's infinite rate of return. Like in, let's say it's a, a multifamily deal. I, I borrowed 1.3 from the bank, 700,000 from some investors. I got no money or little money into the deal. And then I fix it up and then I sell that property for 3 million and we make a million bucks to pay back the interest on, on the loans, right? That's an arbitrage deal. So those are the infinite rates returns. The other way infinite rates return works are through and, and a huge opportunity right now. And you probably see this, Jonah, is in the infopreneurship space. If you can have a brand, an, an online brand, or you can have um, a brand through your space of social media that then creates data that you have control over, then you have uh, collaboration opportunities that turn something into nothing, uh, nothing into something, right? And it can be big rates of returns. So um, I don't know. Those are kind of the five areas when I look at look at those. But that that kind of slowly changed along the way as well because I knew that I didn't want to be transactional the rest of my life. I knew I didn't want to sell houses till I was 50, 60 years old. Um, I, I first started I first started making line uh, online in 2014, money online, and I've just keep going off of there into the private equity space and investing in businesses and expanding my portfolio from there. I like it. You're probably one of the only people I've ever had on here that's diversified, to be honest. I usually have people on here who's just like all real estate all day, right? Different types of real estate, right? Um, and, well, and yeah, you, the, there's a reason why I'm not. Um, one is I just learned from mentors, but two is I went through the last recession in 07 and 08 and I watched people worth 30, 40 million dollars that I was trying to do deals with. I watched them go bankrupt because all of their investment portfolio was in real estate. And so I made, and there was a time where 95% plus of my investments were real estate. Now I keep it somewhere closer to 50% of my portfolio is real estate, but the other 50%, I've divided it out because there's one rule in investing. It's the number one rule in investing for me is to hedge against my own stupidity because I will mess it up. Hmm. Hmm. I like it. I like it a lot. I was going to ask you, I was curious, like between those five, like how much, like how much you have in single digit, how much in double digit, how much in triple digit, how much in quadruple digit, how much in uh, infinite digit? Because guys, obviously, obviously I think most people can tell single digit is incredibly safe. Double digits, pretty safe. Triple digits, like 
much less safe. Quadruple digit is like, you're actually probably going to lose your money. You have to do that mm -hmm. a bunch of times and then you hit those thousand percent returns. Correct. And then the, the, the infinite return, the funny enough, it just, just depends on the deal. If you get a good enough deal and you do it right, usually you won't lose, but it depends because you're, because in those deals, you're using a lot of leverage, right? Then market does go down, then you can lose a lot of money because you leveraged a lot, right? But Correct. so how about, so what's your, so how I, how I actually, there's two ways that I, I kind of, well, three ways I monitor this one way is, is liquid versus non-liquid. So what I want is a, for me, I'm a more conservative investor. So for me, I got 43% of my portfolio is liquid, which means I could get it within 72 hours if I need it. Like, I, like mm -hmm. I want liquid. Right. And then I got 50% illiquid. Illiquid is dude. If I wanted it in 72 hours, it doesn't matter how much I want. It ain't going to happen. Right. Like I got, I got to sell the business. I got to sell the property. I got to sell the share. Uh, I got to sell the thing to get out of it. I'm not talking like an equity share because you can liquidate those really quickly. I'm talking like I've got a stake in a private equity or a fund because when you start to do those types of deals, you're, you're usually two to five years guaranteed into those projects, sometimes longer. So I, I like to monitor it first on liquidity. Then the second thing I like to monitor is what's called asset security allocation. So I currently have about 41% of my assets in a very secure bucket, meaning I'm going to grow pretty reasonable in real estate or a single digit rate of return, probably a, a double. I consider double most double and single digits inside of that. Now, not all double digit rate returns are going to be in a secure bucket because I've got some money, which is in an, an assisted living new construction fund. That's high. That's higher risk. But then I've got double digit rate of return in some real residential single family stuff. I don't owe money on the property. So it's very low risk, right? Like I, I won't lose on that deal. So that's, that's how I kind of measure it in that. And then the final way that I look is asset allocation. So in between the eight different pieces of my assets, I want to get to 12. I'm at eight currently is I manage a percentage of how much is in private equity, how much is in real estate, how much is in gold and silver, how much is in Bitcoin, how much is in cash, how much is cash value. And so then I divide those percentages based on my map and my game plan and, and what makes me feel comfortable with my risk tolerance. Everything revolves around risk tolerance and what allows you to feel better with your risk is having a, cure, a clean system to follow. I think it's an absolute bullshit design that we've created for investors to think it's high risk for high reward. No, the brightest investors in the world, they reduce their risk and their exposure for high returns. So it's it's not high risk, high returns. It's it's mitigate that low risk, risk high possible. returns. Yeah, exactly. Correct. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I mean, like people think that like Warren Buffett's making risky investments out here. No, he does his research so it's a low risk, and and then Correct. they're going to get it. Well, that's the key returns. is the research into the research side of it. And the number one step for financial freedom is financial literacy. So just becoming a constant student of the money. Yeah, one hundred percent. Totally agree. I really like it a lot. It's super interesting to me. What is because like everybody's different, right? So like I like hearing different people's plans. I think it's good to talk about it. Like for me, I recently just just like, you know what, for my own sake, this might be not the greatest financial move ever. But this is for me, I consider it like an insurance policy, my own insurance policy. I put like 100k into just a savings account where it gets like 5% and it's, it's terrible returns. But for me, that's like a good, like, that's just always there, right? That's not going anywhere. 
It's not changing. What did you like, say you put I'd it in? A savings a, account? Or what did you put it a in? A savings account. Literally a savings account. A 5% interest savings account. The highest one I could find, right? Which is terrible investment. I know I could get way more money on that money, right? But for me, I would just rather feel nice knowing there's always $100,000 100%. almost immediately so if I need it. Can I give you some feedback that I think is an even safer and more optimized investment for you? Sure. It's called a cash value whole life policy. Okay. Now, the reason why is you're still going to get the 5% on the cash value. You're going to get the guarantee that when you die, your estate's going to get whatever the, the benefit of. However, what the real value is, is I have access to that cash as if it's just in the savings account. And, but it's protected if I'm sued or if I'm under investigation or no matter what, that money can never be touched. Whereas if it's in the savings account, it's not fully protected. Your, your umbrella policy can't protect it, nothing protect it. Divorce can't protect none of it, right? So you have to create an account that is completely off. It's taken off, but it also is very secure like you're talking about. So a really good I, resource. I've heard of those is, before. Um, the... Garrett, Garrett Gunderson has a book called What Would the Billionaires Do? It's a great book to check out in regards to it. My partner's been talking to me about it a lot. I've been thinking about it. I might, I might do that pretty soon because I like how you can borrow from yourself on it. That's the cool part about it. Yep. That's the part where it's like, okay, that would actually be cool to, cause I thought the first person I ever talked to about it was trying to sell me on it. Told me I could only take like 70, 60 or 70% out. And then my friend told me of one where I could take out 90% of the value. I'm like, okay, that might yeah, those, be so worth those it. 60, 70% ones. It's the, just because they're trying to sell you a variable whole life policy or a universal, which is an index. It's tied to the market. You, in my opinion, from my experience and what the, the wealthiest people that I deal with do as well is it's a guaranteed whole life. So it's going to be a set 5%, but it is a guaranteed amount. And then that you're guaranteed to receive the problem with those, those universals is the premium gets more expensive, the older you get. And these, these insurance salespeople won't tell you this shit. What they'll tell you is, well, it's a faster way to beat cash or to build cash value. Look at the model, blah, blah, blah. But what they don't tell you when you're 65 years old, that now all of a sudden your premium is 10 times more and that your entire cash value you spent your whole life building eats it itself. Anyways, I can go off yeah. on this for, I can connect you with the right people if you're interested. I probably will be. I was like thinking about like who would be the best person for it. Cause I was thinking about it. It's just hard to, it's one of those things where like it kind of, when you don't know anybody or you're not a hundred percent sure about people, you're just like, all right, I have no I was just like, but anyways, so <laughs> yeah, risk tolerances, right? What do you recommend to figure out what distribution you should do? Should people just test stuff? What do you, what do you feel like somebody go to a financial counselor or just well, I, I think I actually don't like the idea of financial counselors, especially if you're going to advisors. I mean, they're going to train you to get 8% returns and do the traditional way that eats up a lot of your returns. I, I think if you're going to work with someone, you got to have a little bit more money. You could do a financial uh, or a, a fiduciary, a financial fiduciary, that where you're just paying them a, plat, a, fat, a, plat, uh, a flat fee. They don't get a percentage of the deal. I, I would recommend that. But what I really recommend is a couple of books. One book I would recommend is um, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harbecker. And that book, really what you got to identify is, and there's quizzes online you can look at, but you got to look at what is my money personality blueprint? Am I a saver, a money monk? Am I a spender, an avoider? What type of, am I an amasser? And you got to identify what your blueprint is and what key things have developed your blueprint and your condition through your parenting, your condition from the school you went to, the 
the community you grew up in, the church that you attended or didn't attend, what what if your parents watched CNN versus Fox, right? Like whatever, whatever, however you grew up, you have a certain belief around money. And so the first thing is, is I would start with that book, Secrets of the Men Are Mind. And I would figure out, um, well, what is my money personality that I have currently? And what is the money personality that I'd like to believe? And I would recommend you develop one goal with your money blueprint is a, it's really about a secure attachment with money. Because many of us, including mm. myself, the reason why I'm a, a hoarder at, at my natural gene is because I get anxiety, like knowing that money is not coming in. I get anxiety right. if my that savings account you're talking about, if that starts to go lower than the number that makes my thermometer feel good. I feel to get anxiety. Whereas some people, they can run that thing down to the other direction, $100,000 line of credit and feel fine. Right. So you have to identify for you, which, and, and, and you can look at, well, how does this make me feel? What emotions does this bring up? But that book's a great, great resource to begin with. I like it. I love that book. I read that book six months ago, and I thought it was a really good book. Um, oh, nice. Definitely Harv, a great Harv's one. A good, Harv is a good dude. I did an event with him just in September. He's a really nice. good dude. Nice. So cool. So let's talk about um, let's talk about other stuff that you're doing, right? Um, or let's keep going with your story. So we hit into investing becoming an investor in general how did mm -hmm. your mindset shift from agent to like no no no, i gotta start owning stuff and, and i'm not just gonna own real estate i'm gonna own gold silver i'm gonna own um bitcoin i'm gonna own crypto i'm gonna own um whole life insurance policies was it just all of a sudden reading was there something that snapped was there a moment or yeah i had to, i had to work on my money belief system number one and so Harv teaches, and this is one thing I've done for years and I've expanded off of, but he teaches what the power of, of declarations are. So just starting to declare that I'm an excellent money manager. My money works hard for makes me more and more money. I always pay myself first. The first thing you have to understand is you have to pay yourself first. And by paying yourself first means that every dollar that you make, a percentage of that has to come off the table and you have to commit to investing that. It has to be a decision, not something you want to do. A lot of people want to become great investors, but that doesn't mean they will. You have to will it. You have to will to do this. Like I will take X percent, 10%, 20%. I think 20% is the magic number right now. I think 10% is a little dated with the speed of, of what we're having inflation and, and what goals people want to achieve. But you got to commit to taking that percent. But I don't care if it's 10 or 20, even if it's a dollar. Like if it's 1%, start the behavior. The most important piece is the behavior to pay yourself first and start just like you did, putting it into a savings account. I recommend that you then expand into a cash value whole life account. Then start with something simple. You can buy an, an ounce of gold for two grand. You can buy an ounce of silver for 30 bucks. You can start to buy stocks for as little as $10. You can buy it for, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I, I, I did one of my stock investments this year, which was Shopify. I'm up 150% rate of return over the last 12 months on Shopify. And I think I was in one share was like 250 bucks. I don't remember the exact number, but and all of a sudden I start this behavior, putting $1 aside, $2 aside. Now I have 250 bucks. I go buy an investment, right? It's about getting it side. And the most important investment you can make is what I call your financial freedom account. That's to pay yourself first account. So I, I think start there, start by committing to, to put X amount aside. I think let's be clear on what real, what investing is not. Investing is not a fix and flip. Investing, that is a business. Investing is not wholesaling. That is a business. That requires marketing to generate leads, 
You have to get your offer accepted. You have to convert it. You have to fulfill it by selling it back into the market. That's a business. You're an operator in that. Investing is I put investment into it. In fact, let me, let me define investment. It's a lump sum payment for a future income. I like it. It makes sense. What do you consider it kind of, because in my head that what you're talking about is the difference between like active income and passive passive income, right? Yep. Like yep. where it's, where it's, there's active income, like wholesaling and fix and flipping where it's like, yes. I'm putting in my time and I get big checks. Right. While, while what you're talking about is I put in big checks and then I get continuous smaller checks Correct. forever. Correct. Right. And there's a whole um, sequence and formula to putting in big checks to get payments forever. Right. And those, those payments in forever ideally need to, to equal one of those levels of rates of return. One of the most commons is going to be your in in your double digit rate of return. Right. Sorry. What do you mean your commons? Like your common. One, one of the most common. One of the most common investment percentages you should give get back is your double digit rate of return. A lot of right. probably fifty percent of your portfolio should be double digit rate of return. So where do you feel like people should go out for double digit returns? Right. You and me are more knowledgeable because we're investors. Right. Um, some of the people listening are really new. Like uh, a lot of people come to my channel just trying to find out what wholesaling is or what real estate investing is. Sure. So what are some like options for people you feel like are the are best options for people who are newer? Maybe they got like 20 grand in the bank and they're like, yeah, I could I use think, some double digit returns. I think a really good event, well, two, two, two resources I'd recommend. One is read the book. It's from a friend of mine and a business advisor of mine named Chris Crone is read his book, Have It All. But also he has a beautiful event. I speak at this event three times a year. It's called Unleash Your Financial Destiny. That is a really great event to attend to really start to learn. If I only got 20 grand, what do I do with that money? Okay. Gotcha. Cool. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, Chris Crone. I mean, I've just seen him on YouTube. He seems like a cool guy. I like He's him. Good dude. Um, so talk about... Um, social media and like why this is just something I've been really liking to talk to people about because I, I talk to a lot of people who ask me why I do so much social media and why mm -hmm. it's so important to be doing that. Um, I know this is kind of like a, we're going a little bit into a different topic, but I just like expressing this over and over again, cause I've been getting it a lot recently. Can you talk about like why social media in this day and age is so important just for any business in general? Mm -hmm. Well, everything that you, I want you to think everything is an asset or a liability. So one of the assets that if you're going to build a brand, like for example, my brand is the WGR. Chris Crohn's is Chris Crohn brand. Your, your brand is, um, what, what to remind me yours is this, the, the scorch, scorch. scorch. This is scorch of yours podcast, but everything I do is the scorch method that it's off my right. name. It's like there, it, everything connects to that somehow. Right. So, so in order to create freedom, you have to understand freedom comes from three parts, business, finance, and soul freedom. That's your emotional state and your connection with the higher power God. Now, in order to do that, you have to follow certain systems in order to achieve that. One of the cool things is, is that these systems are about acquiring assets. Social media is an asset, whether it's Instagram, whether it's TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. Now, there's different qualities of those assets because you've seen 
over the last couple of years, you've seen a lot of people maybe grow their Instagram, for example, and they'll have a couple hundred thousand people and they'll pay these different programs, you know, to get followers, or whatever. Some people will buy likes or pay from followers or whatever. Some will put in giveaways to get them, which is cool, but you're not going to be niched in, in that following. Whereas like, I look at mine, I got about 40,000 on my Instagram is one of my assets, but the majority of those from our very consistent system to create are real estate salespeople, real estate agents. So become a specific target for the business. But where the real value is, isn't just the TikTok or the Instagram, although it is like, look at the rock. He's got, I don't know how many followers now, 350 million or zillion or something. He gets an additional million bucks just to post one video on his Instagram about an upcoming movie. He can launch commercials and ads very inexpensively to his audience about his tequila business or whatever it is. So that becomes one of the values to it. But the real asset, in my opinion, isn't to have the asset just built on, say, Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or TikTok or whatever the, the account is. It's to have data that you can control, which is a name, a number, and an email, so that you can then reach out to that list in a way that is valuable and relationship building. I mean, I reach out to my list about four or five times a week. All of it is value add. I'm not asking, most of the time, I'm not asking for something. I'm not asking for a sale or a purchase. I'm putting in front of them things that are helping me out and sharing things that are helping me out that I've learned. So that if they never buy anything from me, they could take my emails that I sent to them and they can go do something really cool and really epic, right? One of the things, one of my assets I created that works in unison with my social is I have a free real estate sales coaching program. And it is better than most paid programs meaning they get an entire video training system of how to present present uh, offers, how to get listings, how to present buyer presentation, how do I market for all of it, start to finish to build a six-figure plus real estate sales business. And they also get weekly group sales and communication coaching where they can log in weekly for actual group coaching. And I don't charge any money for that. It's free. But what that does is it builds my assets, right? And so as my asset builds, it gives me value inside of the business to be able to to spur off new ideas along the way. I love it. How I, I and I a hundred percent agree with everything you just said. And to me, like how I see it is it's just a lead. It's just a lead generator for everything that you're doing. Literally anything you decide to do now, you will have a fan base of people who are potential customers. Right. Mm -hmm. um, for me, like I have, you don't know me that well, but like my main business is wholesaling. That's how I do the vast majority of my, uh, my money comes from that. Um, and it's through agent outreach. I do it through real estate agents. That's the main way that I do it. Um, and I have my own CRM called Simple Send, and I've really only sold it through Instagram and social media and YouTube. And it's been, we already almost have like a hundred subscribers, right? But like, it's, it's cool seeing how when you keep doing these things, when you keep doing podcasts, when you keep doing whatever reels, doing whatever you want needing or whatever content you need to grow it, you're able to do that, give out free content, help a lot of people, and then also grow your businesses at the same time. Right. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to talk about that for like five seconds. Um, so which, which I just want to add one more thing on this. I think everyone that is not building these assets that we're talking about, I don't, and you don't need to do all of them. Like you're doing a podcast. That's something that I probably need to do better at. And we need to add, and we will develop with time when we allocate the resources, but this is a, it's a podcast, whether it's an Instagram, a YouTube, but ultimately your own database that you're collecting. 
What you ultimately have to do is you're missing the boat if you are not creating that asset. It is one of the most next to you as a human being in your development. It is probably the next important financial freedom asset that you can create in this modern era. It's your reputation, right? Or it's your yeah, your brand. You can't lose it, right? That's the cool thing is once once people know you, as long as you don't ruin your reputation by doing something shady, you're going to be you're pretty set on it. And even when a recession happens, you still have your brand, right? Um, so 100% agree. How do you connect with somebody like Chris Crown? How does that happen? I'm kind of curious. Like there's certain like, there's so levels of stuff. I created, how I created with, how I got to a relationship with Chris is I create what's called my top, what used to be top 40, but now I call it my top 50 relationships. And so I'll always add someone onto that list that I actually don't know. So years ago, I had heard about Chris. I didn't know much about him. And I put him onto my top 50 relationship list. And I just set the intention to be doing things with him. And then someone had reached out and said, hey, you really need to get to go to Chris. And um, now it was top of mind because I put him on my list. I said, great, hook me up. They sent me a cell phone and I reached out to him and he hardly responded. We did a back and forth and I didn't hear from him for a long time. I kind of left to that. I just went about my way. And then, I don't know, probably a year later, he sent me a text message. He said, hey, keep hearing your name. I want to connect. So we set up a Zoom meeting. We connected. And I, was, I wasn't I was sure what we were going to talk about or learn about and what the whole meeting was. I met with him on Zoom, just learned about each other. And then two, three, I don't know, maybe a month or so later, um, he invited me over to his house to just come hang out just and talk. So we spent a couple hours and he asked me a bunch of questions. He really helped me with a ton of my business. Um, a few months after that, he invited me as a special guest to one of his events. I got to know him there. I just kind of kept developing from there, the relationship. And then, uh, we ended up spurring off some business deals from there. And then from there, I ended up speaking on stage at his events quite a bit. I, so it just, I, I but originally it started with the intention. I want to have a relationship. I intend to have a relationship with this person. I will have a relationship with this person and then detach from it, just detach from it. But you got to get on the radar as well. I like it. So talk about a little bit. You said you had a list of 50 people you have like the intention of connecting with. Is that what you said? Yeah, right? so, you write that out. Well, it's not only people that I have. An yeah, I wrote it out. I actually have it in my CRM. I use Go High Level. And so I put their name and whatever information I have from them on in there. And I, I, I look at that list often and I'll, I'll figure out ways how to reach out to them. Um, so I did that with JP Sears, the comedian. I didn't continue to develop a relationship with him long-term. Um, uh, Alex Hermosi, I spoke that end of my reality, met with him and Layla and went to a mastermind with them that was just awesome in October. So, um, and so as I continue to do that and create that, I put these people on the list. And sometimes those relationships will develop further. Sometimes they won't. And I don't have control of that. So I have to detach from that. Like my relationship with Alex and Layla really hasn't expanded since then. Um, but my relationship with Chris now has really expanded. Garrett Gunderson, Mark Mark Moss, who I all recommend you do. To, that was an example. I put Mark Moss on my list, and Mark Moss is an incredible dude. If you want to learn about some investing, he's a great guy to follow. Garrett Gunderson as well. Um, so I don't know. That's just kind of what I do. The rest of the list isn't – there are a lot of them are people I've actually met, and I keep developing the relationship. So they're really just influential – real uh, or not real estate, influential people in my life that you just – you never know what's going to happen. One of them is this lady named Spring Benson. She was on that list for years. I didn't do anything with her for a long time except for stay in touch with her. And then all of a sudden 
she was one of my business partners. And now that relationship makes me like 400 grand a year. So you don't quite know when it's going to pop. And you don't have to keep, you don't have to keep people on that list. Like you might to get to know someone like there's a lot of people out there that you, we see from social that we think we might want to get to know. And then we get to know them a little bit. Like, actually, I don't fully align with them. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It's just, it's just not alignment. And so you can start to filter that list into a way that's in alignment for you. I love it. I love that so much. I have one last question for you. I know we're getting to the end of the podcast and I appreciate you coming on here. I have one last question for you that I always ask guests at the very end, which is if you could go back to your earlier self, right? When you were just starting in real estate, what would you tell that person of yourself now knowing or tell him that knowing everything, you know, now tell him everything. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't know why I'm jumbling. No, I understand. I understand. The you question. get what I'm saying. Yep. You got the question. I'm going to stop. Yeah. Saying, so if I'd go back in, into the, my earlier version of me and, and give me the feedback or the advice, it'd be simply as you got this. You're okay. I got your back. Everything freaking turns out. Okay. That's the only advice I, I give myself. I love that. That's such a good one because I feel like that's what you're tripping about the entire time is you have no idea what's going to happen because you're fact, at the very beginning of the journey. Because I know you said you focus on some breathing or some breathwork type stuff. One of the practices I've picked up over the years is I'll write down moments in my life, in my past, that which is really hard times in my life, whether it was going through a breakup or going through a financial challenge or whatever it was, like just a hard time that I can remember. I'll go back, I'll do breath work and I'll remember that moment and I'll, I'll see myself in that moment. And from this moment in my life, I'll feed myself love. And so I have this belief. I don't know if it's true or not. I believe in quantum physics, the past, present and future are all happening simultaneously. So I have this belief if I do that now, if I'm going back to my past self now, loving myself, that my future self is coming back to my present self now, giving me love. I love that. That's freaking amazing. I, I love it so much. Well, my man, what do you want to, what do you want to promote? What do you want to plug? Is it any of your, any of the courses? How should people reach out to you? Like, yes. where do you want people, where do you want my audience to go? Go to the WGR on Instagram, T-H-E-W-G-R. And um, yeah, just, if you want to send me a DM re referring to this podcast, Scorch or something like that, I'll send you just an infographic on my seven steps to financial freedom and really the roadmap that took me to, Love it. to uh, multiple seven and eight figure net worth. So THWGR. What does that stand for? The WGR. So originally it started for the world's greatest realtor, but it's just evolved over the years. Oh, gotcha. Cool. Now it becomes a great, oh, what does that stand for? What does that mean? The opens up combo. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, guys, go do that. Go say, say text him or DM him Scorch. Remind him about this podcast. And yeah, he'll send you some free content. I really appreciate you, my man. It's been an honor having you on. It's been really fun. Um, even though I'm sick, I feel like we had a really good podcast. And yeah, I really appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me. We'll talk to you later. Yeah. I will. So guys, next week, we're not going to have a Scorch the Fears just because it's Christmas and all of that. So guys, I will see you guys in two weeks. Checking y'all out. Scorch the Fears, episode 103. Colton, thanks again. And... We will see y'all later.